Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, everyone. How are we? Uh, Right off the bat, I apologize for the audio because, you know, you guys know I don't like my MacBook. And guess what? My MacBook is not working right now. If you know, if you know, MacBook, um, Mac notoriously has a faulty keyboard system, the butterfly keyboard. So like the, in like 2015 or 16, I think they started changing their keyboard so they could make the computer slimmer and they've had a ton of issues with that. And basically the issue is like sticky keys. And I knew about this when I bought the computer, but I bought the computer anyway, and um, now my keyboard is broken. My Specifically, my spacebar was sticking really badly, and annoyingly, <laughs> it worked, but just not in the spot that my right finger used to touch my keyboard, which is infuriating. So last Saturday, after I recorded Feathers in My Hair, actually, I took the computer to Mac and I was, or to Apple, I guess, and I was really hoping they'd just be able to like pop off the space bar and like shoot some compressed air in there. And no, why, why would they be able to do that? They have to replace my whole fucking keyboard. It's going to take two weeks. The guy like took it in the back and he came back out and he's like, look, the space bar is broken. He's like, it still works, but like it, it, the whole thing needs to be fixed. Here's the thing though. It's going to take two weeks. So your options are you can just bring the computer home and when it's a better time for you to not have your computer for two weeks, you can bring it back and we'll fix it then. Or I can like try and pop off the space bar, but I don't think that's going to work and I think we're going to have to replace the whole keyboard. And I was like, well, there's not going to be a good time for me to not have a computer for two weeks. So let's just get this fucking process started. So I went out, I bought a cheap, cheap laptop from Best Buy actually was very calm about this whole thing, shockingly. Uh, it's going to be fixed for free because of their faulty keyboards. They, I mean, I have extended Apple Care, so it, was co- it would have been covered anyway, I'm pretty sure. But I didn't even have to like pay the deposit or whatever you have to pay with Apple Pay because they have a whole keyboard replacement program <laughs> where they replace your uh, fucking keyboard for free. I mean, obviously, they can't do it quickly but it happens. So I bought this cheap laptop that I'm planning on just like probably selling on Facebook Marketplace after I get my computer back, which I kind of thought like, I'm going to go buy this laptop. And then like two days later, it's going to be ready and I won't even need it. Yeah, no, Apple Apple was not lying. It's been a full week already. So <sighs> this laptop sucks. It was pretty cheap. I mean, it wasn't cheap, cheap, but it was a cheap for a laptop. My plan is I can just sell it on Facebook Marketplace if I can make that back like 75% of like if I can make like 200-ish dollars. I think this was like 290 or something this keyboard, which or this keyboard, this laptop, which is not cheap. It's just a cheap laptop. So I'm hoping that I can make back at least 200, 250, sell it on Facebook Marketplace. Um, I can't be without a computer between podcasting and school. Thankfully, I kind of knew this was going to happen. So I made sure all of my stuff was occupied, was updated to the cloud. And I put a bunch of stuff on Google Docs. So I would just like be able to easily access it, like a bunch of school stuff. 
and now I am waiting. So I think the sound on this sounds weird, even though obviously I am using my microphone. Like I was listening, you know, I was like doing a test recording and it sounds like shit, but the speakers on this laptop are shit. (laughs) Here's the thing, guys. I still don't like the MacBook. It was still a really not a good choice for me. I am really mad that I spent 2000 fucking dollars on a computer that has to have its whole keyboard replaced. Um, I'm 99% sure I won't be buying a MacBook again. I think once this one kicks the bucket, hopefully not for a couple more years, I will end up getting a like kind of top of the line PC because you can get a PC that does everything at a very great speed and works really well for half the price that a MacBook costs and it's everything that you need. But I will say, like, being on this piece of shit laptop, like, I miss having a nice computer so badly. I was going to just get a Chromebook because Chromebooks, I think, actually work better than this laptop I got. But as far as, like, audacity is concerned, it's easier to not be on a Chromebook. But, like, the keyboard doesn't light up. So, like, I can't see it at night. The sound is so bad. The screen resolution is so bad. So all that to say, I am in a frustrating position. And I apologize if the sound quality on this is shitty Hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's just that I have shitty speakers, so it sounds shitty when I hear it and listen to it. Uh, Besides that, hi, um, it's the last day of February when you hear this. Oh, it's my niece Simi's birthday. It's Simi's eighth eighth birthday. I got her a little digital camera because she's obsessed with taking pictures with my best friend's phone. And my best friend is very, very over having to give her phone to her kids to take pictures. So I got her this really cute, like, kids digital camera. It has, like, a huge, it has, like, a 32 gigabyte memory card on it. And she can take videos. I'm really excited for her. I think she's really going to like it. I can't believe she's eight. It's so crazy. I'm getting so old. But it's the last day of the month, which means that you should sign up for my Patreon. Um, It's always best to, like, sign up for Patreons at the beginning of the month. And because then you get the full month. Basically, when you sign up for somebody's Patreon, you pay the $5 or whatever, and then it renews again on the first, regardless of when you signed up. So I usually try and sign up for people's Patreons at the beginning of the month, so I get the full $5 worth, I guess. Um, So if you are interested in joining my Patreon, you can go to Liz Explains. That's not what it's called. You can go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Last week, I did an episode on Bad Girls Club with Tomlin. This week, I am doing a... So... (laughs) I've also been having scheduling issues, so this week I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do a Sister Wives recap, a short Sister Wives recap, and then an episode on a true crime doc on Friday. That's my plan right now. I want to recap episodes two and three of Sister Wives, but the very annoying thing is that Sister Wives premiere is on at 10 p.m., I'm pretty sure on Sundays. I was like, oh, I'll watch Sister Wives at 8 and then record it at 9 on Sunday night, but it's on super late, so... It might just have to be on episode two, depending, but I'm hoping to just have a quick talk about episodes two and three. So if you want to hear me talk about Sister Wives, this new season is actually extremely interesting. I did a episode on it. I did an episode on the premiere. It's really interesting watching the family like openly talk about how they hate each other, which you guys know I love. (laughs) So yeah, if you want to come to my Patreon, I would love to have you there. Come sign up. Listen to me chat for a lot, a lot of time. And I think that's it for non-Teen Mom news. Besides that, nothing... Oh, of course stuff's going on in Teen Mom world. Um, Kate and Tyler are pregnant again, and they're having another girl. Here's the thing. 
I feel like, are Kate and Tyler good parents? Good feels a little much. I don't think they're good parents necessarily, but I also don't think they're bad parents. Like, I find Kate and Tyler to be so aggressively mediocre that they just, like, do not hit that thing in me that, like, enrages me, which you guys know, like, Nate really does. Nate's, like, my number one with that. Like, some things just, like, hit this spot in my heart that just, like, bring me to life full of hatred. And I personally find Kate and Ty, like, to be not that type of people. Like, they just don't upset me. Are they, like, codependent? Of course. Do they have, like, some untreated mental health stuff going on? Sure. Are they the best parents in the world? No. But do I think them having a third kid is a bad idea? Not really. Like, do they have a tax lien? As far as we know, yes. Here's the thing with the tax lien is, like, we don't actually know anything about what's going on with that. There are there were two tax liens, one for 500000 one for 300000 But that, we got that news, what, like a year ago? And we still haven't heard anything about it. For all we know, it was just like a total fuck up in the paperwork and it's been corrected. Or like they were able to come to some sort of lump sum settlement and either paid it off all at once or on a payment plan. Or for all we know, it's compounding interest daily. Now, of course, if they owe $800,000 to the IRS and it's compounding interest daily and they have no plan to pay it back, having a third kid is not a great idea, (laughs) of course. But for the most part, like from the information that we know, I just like don't care that much that they're having another kid. People are so fucking mad about it. But to me, it's like they're fine parents, you know, like it's okay. (laughs) What's it? They already have two, have a third one whatever. Like, it's of course, it's another girl. I will say, I think people, I think people are a lot more obsessed with the idea of them having a third girl than Caitlin and Tyler are. Now, did Caitlin and Tyler want a boy? Of course, they've openly talked about it. They went and saw that fertility specialist. Like, yeah, Kate and Tyler clearly wanted a boy. Having another child was clearly an attempt for another boy. But I feel like once they have, like, find out that it's a girl and they, like, 24 hours later, they don't care. Like, they're fine. First of all, the whole time they were talking about a third kid, Kate barely said the word boy. She was just always saying, like, another child. She was never saying, I want a boy, I want a boy, I want a boy. Like, does Tyler want a boy? Like, yeah, we know he wants a boy. But I feel like people are like, ha ha, fuck you. You're having another girl, you fucking idiots. Like, that's the... I feel like people are acting like them having another girl is a punishment for their choice to have another child, but I don't think Kate and Tyler see it that way. They seemingly love Nova and Veda. They truly have no issues, like, just having girls as far as we see. They're not treated any differently because they're not boys. So I just don't think that, like, they care nearly as much as some people want them to care, I guess I'll say. So yeah, uh, I will agree. I've seen a lot of criticism that Kate's still smoking. Totally agree. That's so bad. I mean, anybody that's still smoking cigarettes, you need to stop smoking cigarettes. Honestly, just saying the word cigarette right now, like really makes me fucking want a cigarette. <laughs> I haven't had a cigarette in a while. I actually can't remember the last time I had one. That's a long time. I haven't had one. But now just like saying it, I just have like 
this immediate flash of me holding a cigarette and taking a drag on it and that in my brain is like lighting up like ping 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 like I really want a cigarette right now (laughs) the thing that keeps me from smoking so much is that I don't ever want to go buy a pack of cigarettes and thankfully almost nobody I hang out with smokes anymore so it's I don't smoke that often because I'm not around people that smoke. In Florida, I was around people that smoked a lot more, so I smoked more in Florida. But even that was still like a couple cigarettes a year. But right now, and sometimes in Florida, I would buy a pack of cigarettes because I would just like want one or two so badly. And then I would just, um, where I live, there was a lot of people that panhandled in Florida. And so I would always just like give the rest of my uh, pack to somebody that was panhandling. They always appreciate it, even though I don't smoke menthols, which is um, I feel like more com- most people smoke menthols, so I don't know if they love the marble lights, but still. What am I talking about? How much I want a cigarette? No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is Kate's still smoking, which is obviously bad. I'm not defending that at all. She needs to stop smoking, not just because she's pregnant, but because she has children. And even if she didn't have children, like, you'd you shouldn't smoke because it is extremely bad for you. There are no health benefits to smoking. So I'm not defending that at all. I hope people realize I'm not defending that. But I just think in general, like, I don't really care when people that are like mediocre to decent parents have kids. Like Kate and Tyler, as far as I can tell, are not actively bad parents. Do I think it's a good idea for them to have a third? No. I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast. Like, I think that Having a third is really hard. Every article I've read about it says that, like, going from two to three is a very difficult emotional time for parents. But, like, and I I guess I just am like, well, I don't feel like they need a third child. I mean, who needs a child, right? But I think that seems things seem pretty good with their two kids. So to me, it's like, well, why bring a third one into it? Like, why take that risk? But, like, do I think it's bad that they're having a third child? No. Like, I... (laughs) I don't know. I just, it just does not ping for me. As I said, it just does not like inspire anything in me that Kate and Tyler, Tyler are having another child. I mean, in reality, Kate's mental health has been pretty good. I've seen so many comments of like, Kate is lazy. All Kate does is like sit around and not do shit. Like Kate is, all she does is go away to treatment, blah, 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 blah. But like, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Like, I have seen a noticeable difference in Caitlin since she came back from that third treatment. She has seemingly been in a good place since then. I mean, at one point, Tyler left her and, like, forced a separation with her when she was pregnant and she was okay. Like, she survived through that and was okay. So, mental health-wise, like, I don't think, I don't know. I think that, I just think that it's okay is how I feel about it. So, that's Kate and Tyler having a baby. Uh, next thing. Oh, okay. So first of all, I want to say that Devon, as we know him, I'm going to start pronouncing his name as Devoin because that is his name and that's what he wants to be called. And I think it is shitty to call somebody a name that they don't want to be called, um, even though it can be hard because you know them as one name. Um, but if he says his name is Devoin and he wants to be called Devoin, like I'm going to be calling him Devoin. I think that that is the right thing to do. I don't really know why I kind of ignored it when they did it on the reunions. I, As soon as I heard that on the reunion, I probably should have started calling him that. But I feel like I've been hearing a lot more about how he wants to be called Devoin. So I'm going to be making an effort to call him that. I think, of course, I'll slip up because we know him for how many years is Devon. But I'm... And, 
And because of that, like Devon rolls off the tongue and Devoin does not. But that's mostly just because we know the name Devon. So Devoin went on Kale's podcast this week because Kale loves drama. But I'll be honest, it like I didn't listen to it, but I read an extensive recap and it actually seemed to be pretty drama free. One thing I was glad to hear speaking of the name is that I always thought and I'm pretty sure I said this on this podcast, like my assumption was always that he had a name that was like difficult for people to pronounce. He was in school and he just like stopped correcting teachers. So that's what everybody at school called him and Brie met him at school. So that's what she knew him as and just like never went back to calling him or like never went to calling him by the correct pronunciation of his name. And that's what he says happened on Kale's podcast because she's like, well, why do you go by Devon if it's Devoin? And he's like, actually, it's kind of my fault. I just never corrected teachers and my friends. And so like, that's just always what I was called. I guess Devoin, it's like he's named after uh, Demoy. Is that how you say it? Demoy, Iowa, whatever that place is called in Iowa. That's what he's named after or something. But I, that's what I figured. But a lot of people on Reddit were <laughs> had the idea that Brie decided she did not like the name Devoin. So she came up with the name Devon and that's what her family calls him. And like, because of that, like that, like they... I would see this all the time that like the family came, Brie and the family like came up with the name Devon because they didn't like the name Devoin. But like, that's not what happened. That's just how Brie met him. So that's what Brie calls him, which I mean, I I definitely get. But at the same time, I think that if his name is Devoin, like, and he wants to be called Devoin, Brie and her family should be calling him that. I think that MTV should be making a concentrated effort to call him that. I think it would be very easy for us as an audience to switch over to Devoin. I think in this day and age where we are learning people, I mean, this isn't the same thing, but like where we're learning people's pronouns and preferred names, like we, we have learned as a society, like it is possible to call somebody a different name than the one that we know. I mean, my cousin Kane was not Kane his whole life. He was, he became Kane when we were, we're not wait, he's much younger than me, when he was 19, you know, and I, I call him Kane. Like, it's not very difficult. Um, It's like not very difficult at all. And so I can do the same thing for Devoin. And I think that if MTV like made a real effort, it's like beyond just having Drew and Nessa call him that, I think it'd be pretty easy for our audience as well. I think that each episode they should have a friend and a producer like directly being like, hey, Devoin, hey, Devoin, hey, Devoin, and just like saying it over and over again, because this is every year, right? At the reunion, it comes up that he goes by Devoin and everybody gets so fucking confused. They're like, why is Dr. Drew calling him that? And we have to go through this whole thing every year. And I think that Brie and her family and also MTV in general should be making an effort to call Devoin by his name that's pronounced correctly. So I'm going to be making an effort to do that. And I invite you all to join me in doing that. But he was on Kale's podcast and honestly, like, wasn't. He, like, really didn't talk shit about Brie that much. He actually owned up to the fact that he forgot to pick up uh, Nova from gymnastics. He's like, nah, we're good about him and Brie. He's like, even though we fight online, like, everything's fine. (laughs) He really didn't, like, give Kale the drama that he wanted to have. He does say that he does not like the way that he's featured on MTV and he has asked for a bean special, but they haven't given him one. Um, He did say something really shitty about abortion, which I guess they were talking about Britney getting an abortion. 
And Kale was like, yeah, I think that happened. But like, I don't want to say for sure because I don't know for sure. They were trying to like remember the 16 and pregnant episode. And then um, Devon Devoin says, uh, well, you know, all the women in that house have an abortion, which is just such a gross, like gross thing to say, like, go fuck yourself. I think Devoin is such a loser. I do. He is somebody that like. He wants so badly for us to give him the round of applause for doing the bare minimum now that his child is nine years old, however old she is. And I'm just not here for that. I, you know, he's talking in in this podcast, he talked about how Brie doesn't let Nova sleep over there because she's uncomfortable with the fact that Devoin has a roommate, a male roommate. And it's like, yeah, that's that's reasonable. Like, you don't have a court order. Uh, Kale is like, well, why don't you have a court order? And it's, you know, a lot of like, well, 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 well. Like, no real answer for why he doesn't have a court order. He says that he's going to go get one because I guess he's getting his own house with his girlfriend. And if Bree doesn't let Nova spend the night there, he's going to go to court. And it's like, well, why don't you just go to court now? <laughs> why don't Why don't you go to court if you care that much about having your daughter there regularly with you? That's kind of it. There's one other thing that he said that they talked about that I wanted to comment on. Oh, the thing that I hate most about Devoin that he's been doing recently is like he keeps attacking Brie and everyone in her family for not having an active father in their life. And I'm like, you know, you're also insulting your daughter when you do that because you've barely been an active dad for the last two years. Like as of two years ago, you've started showing up like semi-regularly. So like when you make fun of Brie for not having a dad, like, you're also making fun of your daughter. <laughs> Ugh, he's just such, he's a scummer to me. And, I mean, Kale having him, having him on her podcast is just, it's shitty. It's petty, but, you know, that's Kale. I had some people be like, do you think Kale and Devon, or Devoin would date? And I'm like, no. Kale, <laughs> Kale's petty, but, like, not in that way. Like, would she maybe fuck Devoin once? Like, sure. But the thing is, like, Kale, I think, gets, like, very manic petty. Like, she, it's like when we, this is a perfect example of it. Last season, when she, like, outed the Wawa thing with Javi, like, and then next time she's talking about it, she's, like, so deflated. She regrets doing it. I think Kale's very much, like, a in-the-moment revenge person because she, like, gets all high up. I hyped up and she has no impulse control and so I think that when she comes down from it she like doesn't like the way that she feels about it and isn't into it and I think that's what it would be like if she dated Devoin like it would not last for any length of time because I don't think I also think that in general like Kale wants a more like motivated boyfriend I just don't think Devoin would do it for her okay let's take a quick break and then we will get into the episode. Hey everyone, today's sponsor of Feathers in My Hair is my ultimate get. As you know, I'm a bed person. I love bed. I'm recording this ad for my bed. So when Helix reached out and asked if they could send me a mattress to try out, I jumped at the opportunity. My old mattress was just way too soft for my back. To find the mattress right for me, I went to their site and took their two-minute sleep quiz. Buying a bed online can be pretty daunting, especially if you're like me and you need something firm, but also when it's soft, and by the way, you're a side sleeper, oh, and you run hot at night. This quiz took my specific needs into account when recommending me a mattress. Thanks to the sleep quiz, you know that you are getting the best possible mattress for you. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses, as well as a cooling option if you sleep hot. Helix cares about everyone getting the mattress that works best for them and has options for all body types, including plus size. 
I took the Helix Quiz and it recommended me the Midnight Lux. It's a perfect combo of soft but still has a lot of support for my back. If you're in the market for a new mattress, you should check out Helix and take the quiz and see what they recommend for you. It comes shipped right to your door. Go to helixsleep.com feathers, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix has a 10-year warranty, and you get to try out the mattress risk-free for 100 days. They'll even pick it up for free if you don't love it, but trust me, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com feathers. That's helixsleep.com slash F-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. There's also some reunion drama. Um, they're filming the reunions right now, but I want to talk about that in the context of Macy's scene because I think that makes more sense to do that. So we will get there when we talk about Macy, but let us start with... I mean, there's literally nothing to say about Amber this week. She Amber decides she wants to go into business with Gary, and so their business is going to be selling pies and organic fruit that Gary grows on the, out of the side of his house. And Amber is like, I want to put in money to this. I want to invest in this. And you can tell Christina's like, okay. Amber has these plans to, like, pave their pave part of the yard so that there can be a parking lot and fix up the barn so it can be a little store. It's just like what it's very bizarre it it doesn't make any sense for amber to be doing this and that's it there's truly nothing else to talk about with that i don't mean to be like oh, i was just a little bored so there's nothing to talk about like she was on screen for maybe three minutes this whole episode there was very little amber this episode um okay let's quickly talk about cheyenne who also had almost nothing happened this episode. Cheyenne is trying to buy a house with Zach, but as we know right now, it's a seller's market and like everything is going so fast and she's just feeling very overwhelmed at the thought of it. Like she, she and Zach like want to buy a house, but they want to be able to take their time. And the real estate agent keeps seeing like, look, like if you want to buy a house, like you need to be moving fast, especially if you want to buy in the location that you want to buy. Cheyenne's like, well, can you send us a link and we'll look at the link and then we'll decide if we set up an appointment. And the real estate agent's like, look, I can do that. But like, just so you know, these houses are going fast. And it sounds like the real estate agent is pressuring her, but like, I'm pretty sure she's being accurate. Everything that I've read is explaining that houses are going within 24 hours of being on the market for over the asking price in a lot of places. I know in LA, it's especially insane. So like, I think that it... I think that maybe the realtor is pushing them a little because she's a sales agent, but I don't think she's being inaccurate that they need to be moving fast. So basically they decide to just like put off buying a house for six months and Zach's going to move in with her. Once again, I'm pretty sure she's already pregnant in these scenes. I'm a little confused on their timeline and where exactly they are because she looks pregnant. (laughs) She does. She didn't look pregnant at the beginning of the season. Now for the last two episodes, she's looked pregnant. The other thing is that, like, she kind of tells Corey that she's moving in with Zach and he, like, is like, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. But, like, he did the same exact thing with Taylor. He and Taylor got back together and were moving in together and pregnant within, like, a minute. So Corey can mind his own business. Like, obviously who uh, Cheyenne lives with is relevant because that person's going to live with Ryder. But, like, at the same time, Corey doesn't really have any say in it you know he just doesn't really have any say in it and that's really it so let's talk about 
Mackenzie McKee. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Like, I, we found out last episode that Mackenzie is going to Florida and that Josh has said that he wants to go with her, but she's not really sure, like, what that means exactly. Did we find that out last episode? Honestly, I can't remember, but we start this episode knowing that Josh has said that he wants to go to Florida. So she's talking to her sister, Whitney. I've noticed only her sister, Whitney, has really been around this season. I wonder where her other sister is, who is usually the one that she films more with. I think that's the middle sister. I think Whitney is... Actually, I think the brother, Zeke, may be the oldest, but Whitney's definitely her oldest sister, and I think is really taken on the mom role for Mackenzie. I actually like Whitney. I think that she, out of uh, Mackenzie's family, seems pretty supportive supportive of her. Um, She doesn't really seem to, like, question Mackenzie's motives for things. Like, when it came to Florida, she seemed pretty on board. Um, she doesn't, she isn't saying like, Josh needs to go to Florida with you. I actually liked her response because Mackenzie tells Whitney, like, Josh said that he wants to go to Florida with me. And Whitney is like, well, what did you think? Like, what were your thoughts with that? And I like that because, you know, in the past, Mackenzie's family has pressured her into being Josh, being Josh, being with Josh. I do think, though, that a big part of that is that Mackenzie and Josh are like that off and on couple that... You spend years being like, just leave him, just leave him. You talk all that shit. Then they get back together and then they are mad at you for talking shit about them, which I mean, we know they're this couple because that's how Mackenzie talks to us as viewers of this television show. So I can only imagine how she talks to her friends and family about it. But I kind of think that the reason her family was like, you should just stay with him is because they were like sick of hearing her leave him and then get back together. And it's like, well, if you're going to be with him, like just be with him, like make it work. Like I can understand that mentality, even though I think it came off really badly on television, especially without the context of that. And I do think that like they should have been more supportive and her wanting to leave Josh, of course. But I also wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, This is the eighth time they've had this conversation. It's the eighth time that Mackenzie has left Josh. And so by that point, you're just like, just fucking stay with him because you know you're going to want to get back with him in three weeks. And now you've put these kids through this whole thing that didn't need to happen. I think a lot of her stuff with her family when it comes to her marriage is actually more based on that. We just weren't there to see it for so many years. So it comes off as like her weird family pressuring her to stay in a very toxic relationship. That's not like a super defense of her family because I, you guys know, I thought Angie had a ton of issues, but I really do think that like a big part of her family's like apprehension of encouraging Mackenzie to leave is that they did that for many years and then she would turn on them when they got back together. I mean, we see her do that. I think that anybody in Mackenzie's life that like actually actively encourages her to leave Josh and is like really active in helping her leave Josh then gets the wrath once her and Josh are back together. So Max like, well, I had this idea that I was going to go to Florida and be this independent woman and now he wants to come and I feel confused And Whitney's like, yeah, like, I really didn't think Josh would want to come. And do you think he's, like, really serious about it? And Mackenzie's like, well, I told him we're leaving on Saturday and he said he has a hunting trip. So, (laughs) so no, Mackenzie, he's not serious about it. (laughs) 
Basically, she just like can't decide if Josh wants to go for her or go for the kids. And it's like, well, I mean, he probably wants to go for his kids. Like, don't. And also because the two of you are toxic and codependent and always get back together. So Mackenzie calls him. They have a wild conversation. She's just like, okay, so what are your plans? We're leaving tomorrow. Like, what are your plans after tomorrow? And Josh is like, his typical self. And Mackenzie straight up is like, okay, so are you going to Florida with us? Like, do you want to go to Florida with us? And he goes, no, not really. And she was like, well, then what is going on? Like, do you want to be married to me? And he said, I do, but I don't. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh because it's so fucked up, but it's like, girl, he he's what's that old book? He's just not into you. Like, he is just not into you. So she's like, do you even love me? And Josh is like, what do you want? And they start they start fighting. Mackenzie's like, if you don't even want, if you can't even say that you want to go, like, then not, don't come and I'm blocking your number and I'm blocking you on everything. I'm like, that feels dramatic. (laughs) But I think this is what their fights are. They break up, they block each other on everything, they don't talk, and then suddenly they're back together and so in love. And nobody's supposed to question anything that happened in the multiple months that they, like, had each other blocked. By the way, they weren't giving Josh subtitles, and Josh needs subtitles, like, in person, but he especially needs them over the phone, and I could not understand a lot of what he was saying. So once he basically is like, you know, I I don't know, I don't know, Mackenzie's like, says that thing about blocking him, and he says, well, I'm not going to go there if I'm just going to be with a bitch. Yikes. Mackenzie says, I'm not going to move with this toxic person who hurt me. Um, I don't want you following me. And Josh is basically like, fuck you. And she's like, fuck you. Like, like they're in a fool and like, fuck you, motherfucker fight. Like they, girl, what are you doing? This man does not want to move to Florida with you. Do not let him move to Florida with you. So that's kind of it. She's like, you're not allowed to call me a bitch. Go fuck yourself. Like you have no right to speak to me that way. And I was glad to hear her say that, except we know that, like, that doesn't last because we know Josh is in Florida. (laughs) We know Josh is in Florida. So basically, it's decided that Josh is not coming. At least he's not coming with them. So they pack up the car and Gannon rides shotgun to Florida. (laughs) Did you guys notice that? (laughs) I think Gannon's, like, nine. (laughs) Okay. Um, They say goodbye to the family. Her family is upset, but handling it okay you know handling it okay and Josh is not with them as I said I'm pretty sure Josh gets there like within a week of them moving there because for a little bit she was like kind of alluding to him being there but like not really posting him on her social media and then you know the gig was up okay so Caitlin Caitlin is a weird episode in which Caitlin thinks she's pregnant so she takes a million pregnancy tests and is convinced that she sees lines but then she gets her period and she's not pregnant and that's what happens well first she goes to see a psychic because she thinks she may be pregnant and she wants to see what the psychic has to say which like what (laughs) girl what I this is not me like knocking psychics but like that what like when she said that I was like what is she talking about 
<laughs> and we didn't even get to see the psychic on the show. Like, what are we doing here, MTV? Like, show me the psychic. <laughs> Put that on TV. Why do I just have to hear about the psychic? I want to see the whole session. Get Teresa Caputo, fly her from Long Island, Put her in Michigan and let's see the shit go. I haven't watched Long Island Medium in forever. God, I love that stupid show. <laughs> Imagine you're just like chilling and like some lady with a film crew comes up to you and is like, can we film you? Because here's the thing, like I'm clairvoyant and I have a message for you. <laughs> I can't say I've ever had anybody approach me and tell me that they're clairvoyant, clairvoyant and have a message for me, but... I guess I'd be open to hearing it. Well, no, to be honest, I wouldn't be because I'm somebody that does not like strangers approaching me or talking to me. So one, it'd probably be really hard to like get my attention anyway because I usually have a headphone in and it's I can't hear anything that's going on in public anyway. And then if you're wearing a mask, like between people talking through masks and me wearing an, an AirPod, like I cannot hear shit when I'm in public, which is how I prefer it. So I think if I somebody like approached me, I would just assume that they were like a dangerous person and don't speak and engage with them because I don't really engage with strangers talking to me. But at the same time, like I would like the idea of somebody just like coming up and giving me a message from somebody that's passed. I don't know. I don't really believe in psychics because I don't really believe in an afterlife or like anything like that. So how can somebody be psychic if I don't believe anything happens after you die? I'm very agnostic when it comes to all this stuff. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't think I believe in that. But at the same time, like, I don't I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me, I guess, if it's true or not. Like, I don't think I'll ever really find comfort in psychics, personally. I don't think they'll ever really be my thing. But I don't, I'm not, like, anti-psychic, although I do think a lot of psychics prey on vulnerable people. Um, But I also do think that there's a service, like, do I think that most people who, like, sell psychic services are real psychics? Probably not. But once again, like, what's a real psychic? I don't know if I believe in any real psychics. Um... I know a lot of people like consider themselves more of like a medium and kind of like connected to the other world. Sure. That like I believe that you believe that. I don't know if I totally believe that is a thing, but I don't disbelieve that it's a thing. And I do think that a lot of psychics prey on vulnerable people and, you know, people in grief are the most vulnerable people on earth, right? Because they are desperate. Like grief brings a sense of desperation that really cannot be found anywhere else. So I think charging people a shit ton of money uh, to promise them that they can talk to the person as past is pretty shitty. But at the same time, I think that if you charge a reasonable rate, you know, I actually have no idea how much psychics charge. But, like, if you charge a reasonable rate, you don't see, like, you won't see somebody every day. Like, you're not financially taking advantage of them. I I kind of look at it almost like therapy in a way in that, like, if that, I guess therapy is not the right word. But I think, I hope you'll understand what I mean when I say this, that although I don't think necessarily that these psychic readings are real as long as they're not happening in a financially exploitive way if the person who is receiving the service gets comfort from that then 
I think that that is a valuable service. You know, my friend Christina that passed away, her mom, like, sees the psychic that, I mean, the things that she, the psychic tells her bring her, like, a lot of peace. And, like, do I believe in it? Not necessarily. You know, they're always, you always hear, like, she's telling me things that there's no way that she could know. But then at the same time, like, I understand. I know what cold reading is. Like, I know how... Obviously, I could never do it. I'm not saying, like, I know how to cult read, but, like, I understand how uh, people who do these readings are able to tell them information that they do not know, that they could not know. Like, I, I do know that that is an actual skill that people develop. But, like, if that makes you feel better and you feel like you are getting a sense of comfort about, like, your child that has died and this woman is not charging you thousands of dollars all of the time to do it, then, like, so be it. What's the, wor- what's the worst part about that? It's like getting a massage. <laughs> like, we're going to the chiropractor. Like, I, does it really do anything for you? Like, maybe not. But does it make you feel better? Like, then fine. As long as it's not actively harming you, I think is the line that I go with. Like, if if the psychic is doing more harm than good then there's a real problem. But if there's somebody that just, I don't know, charges $100 for an hour of time of a session and you can bring somebody comfort, like, it's not the worst thing in the world. So Kate Kate pees into a thing of Tupperware to test her pee. And the pee was a very bright, like orangey color um so many people like message me about this and I just have to say like please never message me about anybody's pee like I don't like gross things I never want to talk about gross things I don't like gross things please just don't message me about that type of stuff (laughs) please please don't leave me comments like I don't like gross things I don't want to talk about anybody else's pee I don't really care about the color of her pee. Like, we know Kate is not the healthiest person alive. Like, what do I care about what color her pee is? It's been, there have been a hundred fucking Reddit posts about this. To me, this is, like, not a big deal at all. I say this to someone that drinks over a gallon of water a day. So, like, I usually have very clear pee. Like, I don't care what anybody else's looks like. I also know that if you take certain vitamins or even certain psych medicines can change the color of your urine. And so I am not just going to judge like Kate's thing and be like, she's disgusting and doesn't drink water and she's not healthy based on the color of her pee. I also noticed that the camera was making it look weird. Like it was, I could tell the color from the camera was weird. It looked weird. Like it didn't look like a normal color of anything. Like it was saturated weirdly by the camera. I noticed that. Uh, I also like, so sometimes I'll take Azo. I get, I don't know, occasionally, maybe like once a week, I get the feeling of like a UTI, but it's like, I don't have a UTI. I just like have this uncomfortable feeling and I'll take Azo and it totally goes away. Azo is an over-the-counter UTI thing. It just like makes the pain go away. I don't know why this happens. It's been happening for years and years and years. It's just a thing. I don't actually get UTIs. I've had one UTI, I think, in my entire life. It's just like I occasionally will get this like phantom pain. I've read that it can be an anxiety uh, symptom, like it's a physical symptom of anxiety. And there's actually, if you like chronically get this, there is a name for it. So it's possible I have that like chronic thing, like this is a chronic anxiety response, but it it really doesn't impact my life because I just always have azo on me. I keep some in my purse, my work desk, and like in my nightstand. So it, it's just not like a problem to me or I'd be, you know, a lot more concerned about it. Once a week even is 
maybe once a month is when this happens, if that. Once a week is definitely way more often than it actually happens. But I'll take Azo, and Azo turns your pee bright orange. <laughs> bright, bright, bright orange. And I'll take it sometimes at night and forget, like, before I go to bed. And then the next morning, I'm like, <gasps> like, it's staying, like, every time I use it, I, like, each time I use the bathroom, I, like, scrub down my toilet. Like, it's, it is bright. So, I mean, I know a lot of vitamins do that. I just, like, I don't care about Kate's health. <laughs> Guys, I don't care. <laughs> but Kate's not pregnant. She gets her period. She buys a million tests. Um, she's like, I see a line. I see a line. And I thought I saw a line, too. But now I'm realizing that I thought that this was going to be the pregnancy that they lost over Thanksgiving. Like, I thought that this was what this episode was. So I was like, yeah, I see a line. But I'm pretty sure I just saw it because, like, I thought this did result in a pregnancy. <laughs> Basically the same way that Kate did. And Kate is fine after she gets her period. She's like, honestly, I'm disappointed. Like, I kind of got my hopes up. Now I want to have another baby. Like, I wasn't totally sure if I wanted to have another baby. But, like, once I kind of thought I was pregnant, I realized I did. And it's just a bummer. I thought it was a totally normal reaction um, to thinking you're pregnant and then getting your period. I do think that she spent entirely too much money on tests. <laughs> that was a lot of money that she spent on pregnancy tests and she probably should just go on Amazon and buy a bunch, like a bulk pack of those cheap pregnancy tests. But, you know, you do you, Kate. All right. Let's bring it home with Macy, who, let's talk about the fact that on Sunday, uh, when does the show air? Tuesday? On Tuesday night, um, Macy took to Twitter, which she normally does not. You know, Macy's actually quite good at staying offline. And everybody kind of just thought that she was reacting to Mackenzie Ryan talking shit on her because, boy, do they talk shit on her in this episode. And it's, it was like, yeah, good for you, Macy. Like, look. Is it good for her to, like, yell about or, like, to tweet about it and engage with the drama? Like, no, it's not good. But she keeps her mouth shut so much that I'm like, I'll allow it. But then the next day, the Ashley came out and basically said, like, she may have been mad about the show, the episode, but actually they filmed their reunion yesterday. And apparently uh, Macy and Taylor get into a huge fight with Jen and Larry. So the way that they're filming reunions is what they did for Teen Mom 2, which is that, like, they're setting up a reunion segment in each of the mom's, uh, towns, and they're filming the universes together. So, like, Macy has her thing, and then the Edwards come out, and then Jen and, and then Ryan, you know what I mean. Like, they're doing it like that. So, apparently, Ryan and Mackenzie refuse to get on stage with Macy, of course, of course, they are such, oh, they're infuriating. I would be so fucking mad if I was Macy and someone got on TV and called me a fucking bitch and then wouldn't get on the reunion stage with me and talk to me about it. Ryan and Mackenzie are so childish. They're so childish. And Mackenzie is, I mean, I don't like to think for whatever reason that Mackenzie is like as bad of a person as she comes off on TV. Like, she just comes off so poorly that I'm like, she can't really be this bad. But, like, I think she really is this bad. I think she is. I mean, I don't – I definitely acknowledge that Mackenzie 
is probably fucking miserable from her life. Like, she lives a miserable life being married to Ryan. Like, I I acknowledge that. And I, I do have empathy for her there. But she is such a bitch. She is a bitch. And Ryan is so fucking high in this episode. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, Ryan and Mackenzie won't get on, out on the reunion stage. So, Jen and Larry agree to do it. And I guess they were having, like, um... Kind of like they always do, right? Where they are like bickering a little bit, but mostly trying to keep the peace. And I guess Macy was being really cold and Jen kept pushing like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And eventually Taylor exploded and was like, you fucking know what's wrrong. We're here because of your piece of shit son. <laughs> like, and just went in on them, which like, I get it. I feel like... Taylor has kept so much shit in, like, Ryan fucking threatened to kill him and Macy at one point. And Taylor has seemingly almost always been, like, pretty calm and reserved about this whole thing. And he finally lost it. And to that I say, like, understandable. So I guess, and I get it, like, Jen, you fucking know why Macy is mad. Like, you know why she's being cold. Stop it. Stop acting like you don't. Like, if you are not willing to own up to your behavior when it comes to the toxic environment you've created for Bentley because of your treatment of Ryan, then don't don't say shit about it. Don't sit there and be like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? When you know good and well what's wrong. So Taylor blows up at them. I think Taylor is just like fucking done. And I totally get it. As he said like multiple times this season, like they are in this situation because of Ryan. This is Ryan's fault. And the fact that, like, I, I think they were probably all already keyed up because Ryan and Mackenzie would not get on stage. I'd be keyed up at that, too. And then I think Jen, like, acting like she had no idea what was going on just enraged them, which I think is totally understandable. I guess Taylor says something about Ryan being a piece of shit, basically. Uh Larry gets really mad at that. Taylor threatens, like, says, like, do you want to take this outside? Apparently, they were, like, physically close to one another and they had to get broken up. Like, they weren't actually fighting, like, physically fighting. But I guess it got very tense. Macy apparently calls Jen a manipulative bitch. (laughs) Which, look, I don't disagree with in this situation. Like, if I was Macy and after everything that happened this season, and they've seen these fucking episodes, you know? If this was from this week, they've seen all of this shit. And Jen sat there and was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, that is being manipulative. It is. Like, stop pretending like you don't know what's wrong to make you look like you're the good guy and I'm the bad guy because I won't, I don't want to get into it with you. And like, don't make me get into it with you because if you like, if you want to hear it, like, it's not going to be good. Like, we're, I think what Macy understands is that it's going to be very hard to walk back what is said when full expressions are laid out. You know, like, I think that Jen, Larry, and Macy have come up with a very toxic yet civil relationship in which all of them are unhappy with the way that it is, but at the same time, they, like, do love one another like I do I really do think that Jen and Larry like really deeply care for Macy and I think Macy deeply cares for them remember at her wedding when Jen was like crying like and how they used to watch little baby Jade for her like I really do think that 
Jen, especially Jen, like really cares for Macy. I think that Macy cares for them, not just because they're Bentley's grandparents, but these are people that she's known since she was, what, 15? And she's about to be 30? Like, she's known them for a long time. I think that Jen and Larry have been there for her when she's needed them in the past. I think that they have been nice and supportive with her. Not always, but they have been. And I think that Macy really does look at Jen and Larry like their family. Maybe not close family, but like their family. And I think that they've all kind of known that when this shit blows up, it's going to blow up and it it's going to be hard to come back from. And I think that it's really fucking sad that Ryan has caused all this because once again, I will say this is all Ryan's fault. Mm, that's not true. I don't want to say that because you know what? Jen and Larry, absolutely. I mean, as far as the situation that they are put in, it's Ryan's fault. But Jen and Larry have their own shit that they have actively contributed towards to this. Here's the thing. Once again, I think that this all comes down to the little kids, which sucks. Because even in this episode, Ryan, when Ryan and Mackenzie are talking shit on Macy, Ryan says something like, I know she wants to see Bentley, but damn, how long can she put up with Macy's bullshit? See, Ryan knows exactly what's going on. I think what happened is for most of Bentley's life, Ryan held no power whatsoever, right? Like he had no court ordered visitations. He rarely was alone with Bentley. And when Bentley went to spend time with his dad, he actually went over to Jen and Larry's and Ryan would pop in every once in a while, have lunch, shoot some shit, maybe play a little baseball with him and then leave, right? Like, I think that they have always been able to maintain whatever they have going on between them because Ryan wasn't really a player in any of this. Like, even though he's Bentley's dad, like it was always Jen and Larry and then Macy. And then I think what happened is two, well, I think two things happened. One, Ryan got Mackenzie pregnant. Well, even Mackenzie, first, Huddles comes into the pictures and we know Jen loves Hudson. Like Jen seemingly really, really cares about Hudson, considers him a grandchild. So that's one. Then Jagger and Stella come quickly. We know Jen loves babies. Jen loves her grandchildren. And the thing is, Ryan has power when it comes to Stella Stella and Jagger and Hudson. Like, he has power in these situations because he is still with Mackenzie. He lives with this babies. Mackenzie is seemingly ride or die for Ryan for reasons that none of us will ever fucking understand. (laughs) So I think I think what happens is that suddenly there's this like weird shift in power in which Ryan has the upper hand against his parents for the first time. I also think at the same time, Bentley is getting older and wiser and advocating for himself and saying, I don't want to see my dad. So Macy is having to set harder boundaries, which is Bentley's not coming over your house if Ryan's going to be there. Like Bentley is not interested in seeing his dad. So I think that if the new kids were not in the picture, I do think that Jen and Larry would be a lot more willing to accommodate uh, Macy and Bentley's desires. I don't want to just say like what Macy wants because Bentley makes it pretty fucking clear that this is his thoughts. Like, do I think Macy's the one that said that Ryan and Bentley should go to therapy together? Yeah, because I don't think a 10 or 12 year old like came up with that on his own. But I think that she like, I don't think that's bad that she put that in his head. I don't, I don't think it's bad. I did, like, I do say that I think it's maybe unrealistic for her to 
tell Bentley that that's a possibility. And I don't think that she should be giving Bentley unrealistic options because I don't think that's ever going to happen. But when it comes to like what Bentley wants, it's pretty fucking clear. And he like, if you are unsure if this is like Bentley or Macy, which I think a lot of us when we started out this season were, I think most of us knew that it was probably Bentley, but were a little curious about like what Macy is saying. The way that Bentley talked after his birthday party, to me, it made it loud and fucking clear that this is Bentley and this is Bentley's decisions and that this is what Bentley wants and that Bentley knows what he wants and that he may not be mature enough to be making all of these decisions on his own. And obviously his mom is giving him guidance. Like, I think it's pretty fucking clear what Bentley thinks about his father and why he doesn't want to be around his dad. And so, like, I think that if Stagger, Stagger, I was literally thinking, like, how do I say these names? And it still came out that way. If Stella and Jagger and Hudson were not in the picture, I do think that Jen and Larry would be like, okay, Ryan, well, you can't come around. Like, we love you, but you can't come around. Because I think that if it came down to who they could spend time with, they would pick Bentley over Ryan. I think it sucks that they have to do that, but that would be Ryan's fault, right? But I think what happened is Bentley said, okay, or Bentley, not Bentley. Ryan said, okay, fuck y'all. I'm not coming around and you're not going to see these kids. If you want to go see Bentley and you want to like kowtow to Macy and you want to do all that, like you go ahead, but fuck you guys and you're not seeing my children. I really... I really do think that's what happened. And I don't, I don't want to say that Jen and Larry are making the right choice because I don't think that's true. But I also can understand why an unhealthy person, which I do believe Jen and Larry are unhealthy people in this dynamic, would make the choice for the three grandbabies, the littles, over the one grandchild that they would maybe only be seeing once a month anyway. And that's fucking sad. And it really is unfair that has come down to this. But Ryan has created the situation. And I think I think that if Jen and Larry were really interested in having a healthy life, a men- like a mentally healthy life, I think that they would limit contact with Ryan, even at the consequence of not being around the kids. Um, And then it would be easier for them to have a relationship with Bentley. But I don't think Jen and Larry are there. And I think that for them, what's important is Stella and Jagger and Hudson. And I think that's sad. Like, even at this birthday party, like, every time the kids are around, like, you see Larry cuddling them, you know Jen loves those fucking babies. They're also babies. Like, and Bentley's 12, and we already know, like, Bentley doesn't want to go spend the weekend there. Like, at most, he wants to go over there for an afternoon. Like, he's 12. He plays a million sports. Like, he is a busy little kid. Like, no 12, most 12-year-olds don't want to be at their grandparents all the time. And these little babies, because they're little babies, they're, what, two and one? Like, I get why Jen and Larry are making the decisions that they're making, but I don't agree with them. And I think that in the end, they're like, they're not just hurting Bentley. They're really, they're hurting themselves. And I also, I also understand that they probably are worried about the safety of the little kids. And I'm sure they trust Mackenzie. I'm sure they realize that Mackenzie probably won't really let them be in harm's way, but they probably feel like if we don't keep it close with them, like, you know, Ryan's a drug addict. Who knows what he's doing in that house? And we want to make sure that we have access to these kids. I really do personally, 
personally believe that that is at the crux of everything and that Ryan getting the power when it comes to these children has why everything is kind of like spun out of control lately or so it seems to have. So Macy um, and Taylor talk to Bentley about the party mix up and basically let him know. Taylor actually says like, you know, in the past you've said you don't want to go over to Mackenzie and your dad's house, but the party is there and you don't have to go there if you don't want to. And also there's a party at Jen and Larry's on Sunday where they're not filming and everyone will be there. And so Bentley decides that he wants to go there. And Bentley says out of his mouth, he says, I haven't seen them in forever. And that would be a big jump from not seeing him to going straight to his house. Like it's very clear that Bentley does not feel comfortable going to that house. He verbalizes it. He makes himself clear. He knows what he wants. So everybody needs to respect it. And I'm glad that Taylor and Macy have gotten to the point where they are respecting it and they're not forcing anything. And so Macy's like, okay, well, do you want to call your Mimi and tell her? I also, this I'm a little unsure of because on one hand, I think it's really important to teach your children to speak up for themselves and to teach your children that, like, they need to be having conversations and that they need to know how, like, if they don't want to do something, like, they need to be responsible for themselves. Um, I think that's a really valuable skill that a lot of people do not have. I also think that Macy cares a lot about manners, which is something that I care a lot about. And I always appreciate that in Macy and the way that she's raising her kids. I think that kids having good manners is the end all be all, honestly. <laughs> like, I That's how I was raised. Like manners are very important in my family, like very important in my family. And, you know, we never got a birthday gift without sending a thank you note. If you... If you didn't send my grandma a thank you note, she would call within a month and ask where her thank you note was. <laughs> like, I wasn't a lot. Every time I left a friend's house, as soon as I got in the car, my mom would ask if I said thank you for having me over. And if I didn't, I would have to go back and say thank you for having me over. Um, I was never allowed to ask, can I do something? I always had to say, may I? Um, we weren't allowed to just get up from the table and leave. We always had to ask, may I be excused? We weren't allowed to scream. Something that drove my mom nuts was if she would call us and would say, what? We would have to say, you know, like, instead of being like, what? You would have to be like, yes, mom. Like, it wasn't, and it wasn't like, um, like, you need to respect your parents' way. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was just like teaching us manners. Just like manners were a really big deal. The way that you sit at a table, the way that you eat at a table, the way that you speak to other people, the way that you ask for help, the way that you behave in public. Like I, all of that shit really matters to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's like old fashioned shit or if there are things that are more important. I'm sure there are. But if I ever have kids, that's going to be really, really important to me as well. Um, I just think that like, it's a like I my entire life was just like constantly corrected on my manners. And as a result, as an adult, I've been complimented on my manners a lot. Like I remember at my last job, my boss was like standing next to me after I hung up the phone. He goes, you know, you have really, really nice manners on the phone. And it's like been really valuable to my career. It helps me with interviewing. It just helps me be in the professional space, understanding like how to send a respectful email. Like a lot of that stuff comes naturally because I was taught manners as a children. So as a children, as a child. So I do think that things like calling, if you decide that this is what you want to do, it is important for you to be the one to call Mimi and tell her. But at the same time, I do think that this is a very sensitive topic. And because it involves 
Ryan and boundaries and things like that. I'm not so sure I agreed with Macy um, having Bentley call and be the one to tell Mimi this, which by the way, like they decided not to film it, but they let MTV share the audio and we hear Macy go, is it okay if MTV records the conversation? And Bentley's like, yeah. But as I've said in the past, like they talk about this with um, Aubrey, I don't think these kids have the context of understanding like if they can film or not. Like, I don't think that when you have been on camera your entire life, like, I think that you're like, yeah, that's okay, because everything you've done has always been on camera. And I think that as an adult, Macy should be aware that, like, this conversation did not need to be filmed at all. Like, we did not need to hear this conversation, but whatever. I personally think that Macy should have been the one to call Jen and just let her know. And then she could have been straight up and didn't have to be a beat around the bush thing. And she could have just, she didn't have to be rude about it either. All she had to say is, hey, Jen, like, we understand the mix up. Here's the thing. Like, I don't feel comfortable sending Bentley over there. And Bentley doesn't really feel comfortable going over there. However, he loves Jagger. He loves you. He really wants to be there. So he's gladly coming on Sunday. Like that, that's it. I'm not really sure why she had Bentley do it, I guess. I think he's still a little young for that. Because this has to do with, like, um, Ryan and the addiction stuff. So basically, Bentley calls Jen and says that he doesn't want to go to the party um, on Friday, but he will be there on Sunday. And Jen's like, how come, buddy? And Bentley explains himself nicely that he doesn't want to be at that party, but he wants to see Jire and he wants to go there. And Jen... I didn't love that she hit him with a how come because I think she knows what the how come is. I think she knows exactly what it is. But once Benny explains himself, she's like, okay, see y'all then. Love ya. Like, I, Jen's in a heart. I, guys, I know Jen is making so many mistakes, but I just feel so sad for her. I just feel so fucking sad for her. She has helped raise Bentley since he was a newborn. She has had that baby every other weekend for 10 plus years. Like she loves Bentley so fucking much. And it is so unfair what her son has done and what her son has forced. It's just, it's so fucked up. I like, I know Jen is wrong in so many ways, but she, she truly breaks my heart and makes me very sad when I think about Jen. So, Then we're at Ryan and Mackenzie's, and they're talking about Bentley not going to the party, and Max like, so history repeats itself, huh? I have no idea what she's even talking about. What is she talking? What history? What are they talking about? And they're like, you know, they always say yes, and we tell the kids yes, and then the day before, Macy calls and says no. Mackenzie's like, it's really annoying. Jen told Bentley, Ryan, that Bentley's not comfortable in front of the cameras, which look, Ryan knows it. We all know it. Ryan's like, that's just what she said because she wanted to keep the peace. And I think that's a good example of uh, how Jen is operating. And I don't think it's great. (laughs) I don't think it's great. I think Jen should have called him up and said, Bentley's not coming because he's not fucking comfortable coming to your house because you're a scumbag. Not because he's an addict. Like being a scumbag is, being an addict isn't what makes him a scumbag. He's just a scumbag because he's a scumbag because he's a fucking asshole. And I wish that Jen would just say that. <laughs> um, they make this whole, Ryan and Mackenzie are like, you know, this is crazy. Ryan is so fucking high in this ep- scene. Oh my God, he is so high in this scene. Um, they're talking about how it's bullshit to do the kids. She's like, you know, we tell the kids he's coming and then he's not like, 
I guess they're talking about Hudson in this case, but like Jagger is two and Bentley will be there two days later. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's there that day or not. Those kids don't know. Um, Ryan even says like, I know she wants to see Bentley, but like there's no but. That's what it is, Ryan. Because you are holding her hostage and she has to act this way if she wants to have both you and her grandson in her life. And that's your fault. So Mackenzie's like, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm responsible for these kids' emotions and their feelings and they don't deserve it. It's one thing to be a petty bitch. Like, okay, that's fine. But when you start including my kids, that's just not okay with me. And then Ryan's response to this, she's just a spiteful, evil bitch. What the fuck? Mackenzie, girl, Mackenzie cannot help herself. She just cannot help herself. Oh my God. So the episode ends with the McKinney family, like, having a game night. Macy's drinking. Macy drinks a lot. (laughs) Guys, guys, did you know that Macy, she drinks a lot? That's like a thing that happens a lot. Yeah, we all know. But like, she drinks a lot. It's not, it's not. It's not great. So they're talking about the party and Bentley basically just lets us know that Ryan still gets high. (laughs) They're like, oh, well, how was it? Did you talk to Ryan? And Bentley was like, nope. He said hi. And then he ignored me the rest of the day. And then he went to his room and he just wasn't there the whole time. And MTV really played the Edwards with this because I guess they... (laughs) The Edwards filmed some home footage, which they then peppered in to show that Ryan was not in the picture. (laughs) Courtney to Bentley, Ryan got there a half hour late, was there for like five minutes and then just went up into his room and ignored them. And Macy's like, nobody made him come out. And Bentley was like, no. And they're like, well, where's Mackenzie? And he was like, she was there. She was downstairs. Yeah, that's the life when you are in a relationship with a heroin addict. That's what your life is. I'm sure a lot of Mackenzie's life is like that. They show up late. They can't be in the picture when you're doing shit because they're high. They have to go be alone and be high. It sucks. Oh, Mackenzie. Oh, God. Um, They do show this one clip of, like, Bentley sitting next to Jen, and Jen looks distressed, but... I think that was probably just a quick edit. I'm sure she just like didn't realize she was being filmed. And I'm sure if people were filming me without being real, without realizing somebody would be like, she looked distressed when really I just like was thinking about nothing. (laughs) That's just like what my resting face looks like. So, you know, Macy says, I can tell you're mad. And Bentley's like, well, you know, it wasn't really about me. It was about Jagger. And Taylor and Macy are both like, you know what? You're so right. That is so true. You can't, Taylor says you can't control all the situations, but you can always be a big brother, a good big brother. And then we get this shot of like all five of them playing this game and just like laugh, laugh, laughing. And it's like, yo, MTV was just like, fuck the Edwards. (laughs) I thought that this was a very poignant scene. It actually made me tear up a little bit. (laughs) Like something about hearing Bentley just be so mature about such a sad fucking situation and be so just articulate about what happened and not be upset about it. Like, not be, like, obviously he was upset about it, but he could still explain himself. And then MTV was like, yeah, but don't worry, this is his family. Like, it just, I don't know, it was like such a contrast and it really It just made me feel sad, but also happy. Like, I'm so happy for Bentley that he has Macy and Taylor and 
um, Jade and Maverick, like he's very lucky and blessed in that, that situation, but it doesn't mean that, you know, Ryan's not actively hurting him every day, which is tough. It just was a real, I don't know, it was a well shot scene that really hit home for me. I just feel awful for a little Bentley. I was really proud of Bentley in this episode. He knew what he wanted. He stood his ground. And yeah, I, you know, I think that Ryan's a piece of shit. I think that this is what it all comes down to. Ryan is a real piece of shit. And honestly, I think the way that this ends, like this, this trap that Ryan has over the family ends is that Mackenzie leaves him and then they get access, Jen and Larry get access to the kids via Mackenzie. Like, that is the only way that this ends. As long as Ryan has power over those kids via him living with them and Mackenzie doing whatever Ryan wants, like, this shit is going to keep going on and that's really fucking sad. Okay, I actually had posted on Instagram for some questions, um, but because I didn't think I'd have enough to talk about, but I had enough to talk about, you know, I always feel like as long as I get an hour of convo on a solo episode, that is okay. I would never want to put on an episode that's less than an hour long. And now I have to go do homework. I have to go read and write a paper. So I hope everybody has a good week. As I said, if you want to become a patron, go to Patreon. If you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Listen to me talk about sister wives and true crime docs and Grey Gardens and YouTube and everything under the sun. I love you guys so much. I hope everybody has a good week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.